Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, let me ask you to take your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We began a sermon series last week called Louder Than Words. And ultimately what we're doing is looking at the passages in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus says, you've heard it said this, but I say to you. And those passages really, what they're designed to is to say, hey, here's what the law says, but I want to give you a little more in-depth. I want you to live it out and live like no other. Last week we looked at uh, adultery and we understood what that really looks like and we, we had some, some honest conversations about what our world is going through and what we're going through and how we are to live differently. Well today uh, we've got uh, the idea of the evidence of a second mile heart. A second mile heart. And what we're going to find here in just a moment is Jesus is going to talk about retaliation. Now, don't raise your hand, but you can point across the room if you want to. I'll give you permission. No, don't do that. But if you've ever had this moment where you wanted to retaliate against somebody, this is for you. And chances are everybody in this room has had those moments. Somebody has done something to you at work. They've said something about you that's untrue, and you know it's untrue. And so what do you start doing? You begin to think, how can I get even? Uh, Laura and Steve came in a few minutes ago, and Steve said, they were at one of my former churches last week, and said, hey, I met this guy who knew you. He had kind words to say about you. I tried to get the dirt. I said, listen, the reason you can't get the dirt is I don't play to get even. I play to get ahead. I said, so if you, that's how it is. But it, we did that in student ministry. It was just a fun prank. But some people have that motto for the way they live their life. And so this morning we're going to talk about that. One, probably one of the best movies, I don't know, for me, one of the best movies out there is 42. It's the story of, uh, it's the, story of the Brooklyn Dodgers and Jackie Robinson. And if you remember in the 50s, Jackie Robinson was the first African American to, to, to play the major leagues. And before that all happened, the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers, Mr. Branch Rickey, brought him in to his office. And if you've watched the movie, you've seen this scene. Branch Rickey wanted Jackie Robinson to play baseball for the Dodgers, but he knew for Jackie to play for the Dodgers, it was going to mean a lot of people were going to insult him. A lot of people were going to make fun of him. A lot of people were going to call him names. So in this scene, Branch Rickey is having this conversation and he says, says, Jackie, what are you going to do? People are going to throw at you. They're going to throw at your head. They're going to come in spikes out. They're going to do all these things. And Jackie Robinson says, they've been throwing at my head for years. He said, well, let, let me say it this way. Maybe, maybe I'm an opposing player and, and I, I come in and you tag me. And I get up and I say, you black, blankety blank. Jackie Robinson says, Coach, do you want to 
player who fights or walks away. Branch Rickey looked at him and said, Jackie, I want a player who's strong enough not to fight. I, I want you to play and run the bases and hit the ball. I want you to do all of that and be able to walk away and not fight. He said, say we're in the World Series and I'm the opposing player and I come into second base with my spikes up to get you. You tag me in my ribs and umpire calls me out and all I can see is your black face and so I step up and I say, I just haul off and hit you. What are you going to do? Jackie Robinson paused for a moment and he looked at him and said, well, Mr. Ritchie, I got two cheeks. The whole movie uh, is based on Jackie Robinson's life and just what it took for him to turn the other cheek. It was a movie about his, his heroic effort to be the black, first black American to play in the major leagues, but, but it's also a movie about turning the other cheek. As we come to our text this morning, we come to a place where that's what Jesus calls us to do. But the reality is, we all like a hero story. We like people who stand up for themselves, who speak up, who, who, who take matters into their own hands. We remember the Declaration of Independence gives us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so we're, we're excited when people stand up and take matters into their own hands. But sometimes... People take matters into their own hands all for the wrong reasons. In fact, I found this quote this week. It says, inordinate concern for one's own rights comes from an inordinate selfishness and leads to an inordinate lawlessness. Let me, let me put it in a little different English. Sometimes our concern for being right trumps doing the right thing. Sometimes we, we get so hung up on we are right that we, we do wrong to prove we're right. And we have to think through that. Jesus gives those who are listening at this sermon, he gives them some, some indications of what a second mile heart looks like. So let's look at this text this morning. If you have your Bibles and you're at Matthew chapter 5, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's word? Beginning in verse 38. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. For as one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. If anyone, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to one who asks, and don't turn away from one who wants to borrow from you. Let's pray together. Almighty God, today we just uh, ask in this time that you would speak. We pray for your spirit. We pray for for your words to fall on us. 
For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let me share with you the big idea this morning. Believers can retaliate against those who do evil, not in a self-centered way, but in a God-centered way. If you look at this text, you're going to find what, it, what happens or some ways you can retaliate. And, and the way you retaliate has nothing to do with getting even. It has everything to do with a bigger picture. It has everything to do with the right heart. So this morning what I want to do is show you what does it look like to have a second mile heart. Well, the first thing I want you to catch in our text is simply this. You refuse to retaliate against evil violence. You refuse to retaliate against evil with violence. Now, let's, let's be honest. Jesus gives this passage and he tells them, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. And there's some truth to that. There are Bible verses in the Old Testament in three different places. They're all meaning the same that are the law of retaliation. Now, a couple things about the law of retaliation was when it was established, it was to protect people not to get even. And no one person could be the judge. There was a judge to, to decide whether or not somebody was wrong or right. And then the judge would also decide the sentence. Now that didn't mean that the person who had been harmed didn't get to execute the sentence, but it also didn't mean they get to be judge and jury as well. In fact, Leviticus tells us this, if a man inflicts a permanent injury on his neighbor, whatever he has done is to be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he inflicted on the person, the same is to be inflicted on him. That's the verse, or one of the, one of the three. All of them are the same, but again, it's never been set that you could do it without being judged. And what Jesus wants to point out here is, let's not focus on just this few moments in which we see a law of retaliation, but let's, let's look at the totality of things in the Old Testament and hear my words about forgiveness, about grace, about love. In fact, Leviticus 19 tells us this, do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as what, church? Yourself. I am the Lord. There's this moment where Jesus wants to tell those who are standing, because the Pharisees loved this idea that you do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. But they didn't follow the law in letting a judge decide if the wrong had happened. And they didn't let the judge decide whether or not they could carry out what sentence. They did it on their own. And we do that. Somebody wrongs us, somebody hurts us, somebody says something ugly. You watch a mama bear come after her, if you come after her cub, right? And we do things. We take that and we, we express that. And we live in a world that has come to grips with, that's right. That's good. And even some in our world will even quote the, the Bible verses of an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But they never talk about grace, forgiveness, and love. 
And so Jesus looks at him and says, look, we don't retaliate against evil with violence. That's not who we do, who we are. We're not that type of people. So the next, next few things, the next uh, four things he shares is all the things that we do. How do we retaliate? Well, let me show you number two. The second thing is you respond with an attitude of love and kindness. An attitude of love and kindness. When something happens to you, you stop and you think of an attitude of love and kindness. I heard a story of a mother who was in the house and all of a sudden she heard this terrible screaming coming down the hall. She runs down to her son's bedroom and she could hear him screaming. She runs into her seven-year-old's bedroom and there he is screaming at the top of his lungs because his two-year-old sister has him by the hair and she's just pulling as hard as she can. Well, mom goes over there and takes the little girl's hand and, and undoes it and and puts her hand to the side and she hugs her little boy and rubs him on the head and says, she didn't mean it. She doesn't know how bad it hurts. He nodded, yes, mama, yes, it's okay, son. So she leaves the room and as she's walking down the hallway, all of a sudden she hears her daughter scream at the top of her lungs. She runs back in the room. She understands now, mama, how it hurts. That's how we want to respond, isn't it? You pull my hair, I'll pull your hair. You say ugly things about me, I'll say ugly things about you. And Jesus talks here about being slapped on the face. In, in this culture, a slap on the face was a big deal. Oh, if you slap somebody or hit somebody in the stomach, in the chest, in the arm, you meant it for, for pain and punishment. You slap somebody in the face, so in this culture, it's a, you just called their honor out. You've just offended their dignity. You've just, you might as well call their mother a name. It was a dignity moment if you slap somebody in the face. Jesus looks at them and says, if, you, if they call you out on your dignity, just turn the other cheek. Don't worry about it. And, and, and let's just be honest. Sometimes we read these words and sometimes people say, you know, I, I get it. I'm just not that good. I, you know, I don't think scripture really means it that way. Let, let me tell you, when Jesus says turn the other cheek, he meant it. In fact, he even got slapped in the face. If you go to John 18, where Jesus is arrested, he's before Ananias and the high priest and all. And there's a question before him. He answers the question and one of the Roman soldiers just smack him in the face. Jesus didn't get up and throw punches. He just said, wait a second, what did I say wrong? Prove me wrong. What did I do? We've got to have an attitude of love and kindness. We have to have an attitude that changes. Because when that happens, people are angry with us and what they want is us to retaliate. They want us to, to, to seek to get in, 
revenge because they're ready. The third thing we see in this text is you reveal grace when demands are made. Grace when demands are made. You look at our text, look at verse 40. As for the one who wants to sue you, they want to take you to court. They want to take your shirt and let him, he says, let him have your coat as well. They want to sue you. In, in this culture, for you and I to think about somebody wants our shirt or our coat, that's not really that big of a deal, is it? Let me show hands. How many have more than one coat at home? Yeah. We won't, go, we won't keep going down that list to say how many have more than 5, 10, 15. You know. You, you, you know. I would venture to guess more, all of us in this room have more than one shirt. But see, in this culture, you, you would might have two shirts. Not everybody owned two shirts. You would only have one coat. And it was important because the law was, if you brought a man's coat, you had to give it back to them before nightfall because your coat was something that you would use to keep warm in the night. So Jesus says, listen, there's this person who wants to sue you. They want to take you to court. They want your shirt. Give them your coat as well. Give them your coat. Reveal grace to them. Give, give them the coat. The point Jesus is making through all these texts is there's a bigger picture we want to be about. The bigger purpose for us is about God Almighty and his love and how he changes our lives when we draw near to him. So if somebody wants to take your dignity, somebody wants to take your coat, don't worry. There's a grander picture. And, and so you know the grander picture? God's in control. God's in control. I mean, think about it. We live in a culture that is so self-absorbed with things. I guarantee my grandparents never thought in the world about buying or renting a storage unit to put their stuff in. They would say, that was a waste of money. Why would you do that? Now, one of them might have built another barn, but they would not have rented a storage unit. Because they would have just got rid of stuff. But we are so, our culture is so self-absorbed in our things, and we think that defines us. But I'll remind you, I've never seen a hearse pulling a trailer to the graveyard. I've never been to a cemetery to do an actual service where once we got finished and put the casket in the ground, they unloaded everything else and threw it on top. We can't take it with us. Jesus is pointing to his disciples and those who are listening. Don't get caught up in the material things. Our mission is much greater. Our mission is much greater. And our God, he owns it all. Listen, you don't own anything. 
What you have has been given to you by God. You're just to be a good steward of it while you have it. You can't take it with you. It doesn't move you up the ladder spiritually. It's just temporary stuff. And so if somebody is to sue, just, just show grace. Now, let me interrupt here for a second. Jesus is never telling us that we're to be meek, or let me, let me rephrase that. We're never to be weak and a pushover. Because if you read scripture, you'll quickly realize that's not what Jesus teaches. But he teaches us to be grace-filled. Kindness, love, compassionate. And so don't get caught up on the material things. So they take your dignity. So they, so they want to take your coat. There's much greater things that you have that they can't take. So number four. You react by going the extra mile. This one's an interesting one when Jesus tells them, for, for you and I, um, I think it's a hard one for us to, to sometimes wrestle out. What does it mean going the extra mile? Jesus' day, this was, this was one of those things that um, they understood. See, a Roman soldier at any moment while he was on duty and walking could grab you as a Jew and make you carry his pack. And he could make you carry his pack just less than what we consider a mile. He could do it and you couldn't do anything about it. No matter, no matter what you were doing, where you were going, what was on your agenda that day, if that Roman soldier grabbed you, gave you his pack, he was to, you were to carry that pack. What that did was, was to relieve the soldier of having to carry the pack for a while. But it also caused a great inconvenience for the Jew and it just rubbed them raw. Because the Jew didn't like Romans, and the Romans knew it. So this was a way for a Roman just to, to kind of poke at them and cause them more headache and, and just remind them that they're low because he can take their liberty away from them. You can't do it. You've got to stop. You've got to carry this pack. So what does Jesus tell those who are listening? Go two miles. Don't go one, go two. Don't let them, in other words, see that it is that big of a deal. Don't let them take your liberty. Just go two miles. And sometimes people... When they try to get even, they make things harder. They try to do different things to cause a person to be upset. And if we think about going the extra mile, then we can think about what it looks like to, to do more than what was asked. To show love and kindness. It's the old idea of kill them with kindness principle. Go that extra distance. And so then the fifth thing we see in this text is you render assistance to those in need. You render assistance to those who are in need. 
we read in that text where Jesus tells us to, to give to those who ask and don't turn away. Those who want to borrow assistance. When we start thinking about those people who've wronged us, who aggravate us, who mentally cause us pain and anguish, when we start thinking about those individuals, we start thinking in the way Jesus tells us to think, we can begin to realize that they can't take our dignity, they can't take our liberty, they can't take, they, they can't take our possession because the ultimate possession we can have is Christ Jesus. And by allowing that attitude to, to come over us, it changes our perspective. I mean, let's be honest. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever been mad at someone for what they did to you? And how you responded? You knew that when you responded, you let the them get the better of you because they got under your skin. Jesus, what he wants to tell those listening to that day was, there is something much greater we're working towards. Don't blow your testimony. Don't blow the opportunity to make much of God. George Mueller was a Christian evangelist and the director of the Ashley Down Orphanage in, uh, in Bristol, England in the 1800s. He was part of the, uh, of the Plymouth movement, several things that were going on. He said this quote, there was a day when I died, utterly died to George Mueller and to his opinions his preferences and his taste and his will. I died to the world, to its approval, to its censor. I died to the approval or to the blame of even my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. I died. That's the, the phrase that I think we need to hear. A few weeks ago, uh, Mike Thomason and I uh, went to a, a conference uh, put on by the Kentucky Baptist Convention. It was a church health and revitalization conference. Um, that morning, the, the first speaker talked about finding health in the church and basically he said, listen, churches aren't going to revitalize, they're not going to find health until they find themselves at a place to recognize there is a need for healing, a need for forgiveness, a need for restoration. In fact, he had uh, seven or eight lists there and I wrote them down and some of them were Oh, the church needs to start confessing. We need to start forgiving. We need to start restoring. 
And I sat there and I, I, and I thought about that. And Mike sat next to me and I, I scribbled and kept up notes. And there came a moment for me in that moment that I said, uh, I heard God just speak softly and say, Church is never going to grow until these things happen. Until members love one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. And the next thing I hear God saying, that's never going to happen until you start doing that. past two and a half years have been the worst of my life. I've been in the darkest hole you can imagine. I've been angry. I've been hurt. I've taken it out on my family. I'm taking it out on some in here. These two and a half years I've dealt with just different things that have come. Some of them have happened because of different things inside this building and these, and these walls and among our staff, among people here. And I realize that as I've wrestled with this that Nobody intentionally, I don't think anybody intentionally wanted to create what has happened in these last two and a half years. But that morning I sat there and listened to that and I realized that how bitter, how there were days that I... <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I know I'm not the only one. But there are days that I prayed, Lord, your will be done, but Lord, let me give you some advice on how to handle that. I came back from that. I realized that there were some things I had to deal with and I'm still dealing with. Um, I sat down and had some one-on-one -on -one meetings with people to apologize. Made a few phone calls and dealt with some things. Publicly in a, in a group meeting, I apologized for allowing um, what they didn't know happen. They were just the, um, they were just the ones that I, I, I took it out on at the moment. What, I, what I'm trying to say this morning is we're not, any of us are perfect. I am certainly not perfect. I'm the chief sinner in this building, I can tell you that. 
I need Jesus every day. But until we live out what Jesus tells us, until we get right, why do we think God would want to, to bless our lives personally, corporately, our community, our world, our nation? When he's longing for us to stop looking for revenge and start loving one another. And listen, I, I know there, not everybody is lovable. Well, let me rephrase that. Everybody is lovable. Not everybody is going to be invited to Sunday dinner, right? But we've got to walk with the, the different attitude, a different heart. One that says grace, love, and kindness, and forgiveness is his example. Because let's be honest, Christ died for our sins. He died for us and he knew who we would be. He would know our ugly secrets. He would know our hearts. He knows everything. And yet he says, come to me. So this morning, the hymn of invitation is trust and obey. You may be here this morning and there's a bitterness inside you that you've held on to for a long time. It could be with a family member, a co-worker, a church member, me. I'm going to ask you, today, would you just seek the forgiveness that comes from God the Father? Maybe you need to come to the altar and pray, God, forgive me for what I've done. Maybe there's other decisions on your heart or other actions you need to take to, to seek out that forgiveness, but... Would you trust and obey? Some of you may be bitter at God. Why did he take my spouse? Why did he cause this to happen? Why am I in this shape? Maybe today you need to stop and stop being bitter at the one who loves you the most. Would you just trust and obey? Would you stand with me?